live with your fantastic broadcast on BSOC Global with VegPower. Um, you said you were the happiest man alive. Did, did you know that got so many com comments, Dan? Um, that so many people were pleased to hear so, someone actually happy, happy in the job. Are you still feeling the same on the 1st of November, Dan? Are you still the happiest man alive? A little less, actually, if I'm honest. Last night, I had eight 12-year-olds cranked up in sugar, on sugar in my house, and their parents all cranked up on red wine and woke up this morning and our house is like an absolute bomb site. Um, and my head isn't as fresh as it normally is. So I'm probably going to put myself as third or fourth on the Dan, this is, this is David, David, can you believe this? Dan's having a party on a school night. David, you and I would uh, never do anything like that, would we? You never give them sugar. You should be giving them eggs rather than sugar. What's he been giving them all this sugar? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not me. It's the neighbours. I'll go for that excuse. <laughs> yes. I did, actually. I was very fortunate this week that I was, um, I was lucky enough to visit David's farm down in lovely Cornwall and he gave me a fantastic box of veg including some magnificent looking squashes which did we we go for it for Halloween we have a big lot of decorations and we have a we have a good old time with it and David's squashes made it onto our display on our doorstep <laughs> yesterday uh, but they are still edible so they will be eaten before the week is through but they have both performed visually and will performed uh, in terms of taste as well very shortly. Fantastic. David, how do you feel about that, that your produce has been, is, is now the talk of the town in Brighton? How do you feel about that, David? What an honour. You know, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? Who needs MBEs, CBEs when you call that? <laughs> History has been made. There's, there's, there's a new startling personality in the, in the world of uh, fresh produce. Right, we better get on with this and do this, uh, this properly, but let's, let's get everyone to introduce themselves uh, briefly. David, say hello to everyone and, and say who you're representing, please. David Simmons, Riviera Produce based as farmers down in Cornwall. Funny Cornwall, but not quite today, but never mind. One brilliant business down in Cornwall and talking about other brilliant businesses and people. Uh, Dan, introduce yourself to the world, please. Uh, I'm Dan Parker. I'm the chief executive of Veg Power, which is a not-for-profit organisation trying to encourage everybody to eat more vegetables. And I'm based in actually really quite sunny Brighton. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so let's uh, let's just for the for the people that are live on Facebook, live on LinkedIn, and also listening on the podcast, we better set the scene rather than talking about Dan's antics with his neighbours and his and his kids with with David's special produce on that Halloween last night. So Beanstalk, Beanstalk Global, and Veg Power are what what is it, Dan? It feels like a sort of a bi monthly broadcast that that, that, like that we're doing that we're thoroughly enjoying. And so the the, uh, the conversation topic today, how apt is this? how British and Irish veg growers are adapting their businesses in relation to climate change. And why do I say that? If you're, um, if you're, if, if you're not dialed into <laughs> what's going on currently in Glasgow, it's COP26, where we've got something like 100, 110 uh, world leaders trying to fix the planet um, over, the, over the next few days. Will they do that? Do they need our assistance? They definitely need the assistance of, uh, of David and Dan, that's for sure. So VegPower, VegPower is a not-for-profit organisation focused on encouraging the UK to eat more vegetables. Since their inception around three years ago, the success Successes include the award-winning Eat Them to Defeat Them campaign in, in partnership with ITV, which included a TV ad supported by over £10 million of advertising from ITV, Channel 4 and Sky Media. And um, David, did you, um, take, take it you saw it. It was a brilliant advert, wasn't oh, it? Oh, it was. I had to, you know, had to watch the TV programme to see it. it was, no, it was very good, actually. You've got to take hat off to Dan. He's done a cracking job with that. He really has. He, he has. Well, yeah, hold, hold on. Let's not let's not pop up his tires too much. We've got, we've got a lot to get through today. Um, th this year, the campaign's accompanied schools programme reached half a million primary school kids from just under 2,000 schools. They were able to demonstrate behaviour change with an additional 517 million children's vegetable portions sold from the campaign's launch in February 2019 to July 2020. Just want to say that, uh, that, that again, because it's a... It is, um, it is pretty good clickbait for what we're all trying to achieve on this. So they're able to demonstrate behavioural change with an additional 517 million children's vegetable portions sold from the campaign's launch in February 2019 to July 2020. The fundamental difference with other healthy eating or public health campaigns is that the VegPower operating model includes a strong, diverse and vocal alliance that has nationwide reach and impact all on a very low budget. The alliance consists of individuals, groups, organizations uh, that are passionate about the cause. It includes large and small businesses, national and local government, NGOs, community groups, 
and school celebrities and influencers, influencers who we're going to see in a minute. Uh, this enables them to reach a greater range of individuals and has significant credibility and interest to in their campaigns. So on this broadcast, we're going to be discussing the role of, uh, of veg and climate change and how British and Irish growers are adapting their, their businesses. And we've got the, the great um, David, David Simmons uh, from Riviera Produce, as he mentioned earlier from, um, from Cornwall. David, do you want to just give us a, a snapshot as to, if it's okay, we have a lot of graduates actually listening to this. So could we have a bit of a snapshot as to your illustrious background as to how, how you got into this esteemed position and also also your business and, and, and what the business looks like and how many people you, you run, you employ and, and the sort of um, veg that you grow. David, tell us all about you firstly, please. Yeah, well, I've um, been in the industry now far too long, but um, I started off um, <coughs> going to an agricultural college. I'm the fifth generation to be farming down in Cornwall. Son's joined the business recently, and he's the sixth generation. Wow! So we've been um, we've been farming here since 1870 now. And uh, when I came home from college, we had 160 acres, and I employed one man who left after the first week, and uh, I was left there to do all the work myself. So, from a typical traditional um, family farm that had cows, pigs, beef, um, dairy, um, with a with potatoes and and cauliflowers, cabbages, and that sort of thing. We um, looked at all the crops we grew and decided that uh, cauliflowers, brassicas in general, with broccoli, um, cabbages and kale, and also courgettes were the ones which would um, take us forward. So they're the crops that we've concentrated on over the years. And from that um, small beginning of 160 acres, we now farm 7,500 acres down in Cornwall. Oh my good grief. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, we've also got um, some growers that supply us with produce as well. Um, we've got another um, half dozen growers that supply us with um, fresh produce, supplying it all to the major multiples. Oh, well done, David. I was about to say, you're, you're not supplying it into, into farm shops. Um, so, 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 so presumably, as we've seen that acceleration of, um, of, of, of the retailers, that that's, what's the figure, David? It's something like 75 or 80, 82% of all fruit and veg uh, consumed in the UK is sold through the retailers. So, so presumably yourself and your family, um, as you've seen that, that acceleration of that, that, that growth with the retailers, you, I can't think of the right word, but you sort of piggybacked on, on that growth and looked to supply them quality fresh produce ongoing. That's right. Well, we used to traditionally, we would supply the wholesale market, starting off at the local ones okay. and actually went further afield. Um, and, uh, you know, we used to put um, an Arctic load of produce into um, one of these wholesale markets every day. Whereas wow. now if they take a pallet or one or two pallets a day, that's about it. And all the attention now is with the supermarkets. So we've had to focus on the supermarkets. And, you know, to be fair, they've really, you know, promoted veg and done an excellent job selling huge volumes of veg. So we've got to take the hat off to how they've uh, promoted our industry and, and kept us going, basically. Yeah. And, and especially over this uh this, this last uh, um, two years, eight, 18 months, and Dan and I have talked about it um, previously, that the, the rise of scratch cooking, uh, which, are, which has been fantastic for, for fresh produce, as people have got more used to, to eating and uh, cook, cook, cooking themselves. I, I think that's been hugely beneficial to the, to the fresh sector. We were just saying in the, in the green room how, how um, I did an interview last week with a, with a new app called Gorillas, uh, where if you're in the likes of um, central London, you can go onto your, your app and you can um, order up um, upwards of two and a half thousand different grocery lines to be delivered to your house within 10 minutes. And one thing that they're majoring on, which will, which will segue quite nicely into our conversation today, um, is the whole sustainability element, that they've got a view that people do their big shops at a weekend, and by the end of the week, the, the, the nanas and, and their veg um, is potentially uh, uh, falling over. Um, it's um, is starting to go, go um, a bit, uh, worse, God forbid, a, a, bit, a bit soggy. Whilst if you use the likes of um, gorillas, you can buy it on a just-in-time just, just in time basis. So David, it's going to be fascinating. We we'll probably won't see it in our generation, but the likes of your son um, come, coming into the business. It'd be interesting to see where the dynamics of who you're serving um, change um, in that we, we may see these uh, online delivery services start to uh, bite at the, uh, at the ankles of the retailers. But we'll, um, David, We'll, we'll have to see. Um, so, and, and David, what's the relationship with you, with yourself and Veg Power, please? Well, we are members of Veg Power, and um, you know we're we're great advocates of what they do, actually, because you know as an industry, and you know you can't have anything better than, than fresh, healthy British veg. And uh, but we haven't got the funds or the expertise to be able to promote our industry, and it, it really does frustrate me when you look at the likes of um, you know some of the multinationals promoting some of the sugared water and things like that and the, the oh. budgets they have to do this promotion 
And here we are with something which is absolutely fantastic. And we haven't got the finance to, to actually push it to the customer and, and make them realize what um, tremendous um, veg they're, they're actually eating. So yeah. with Veg Power, that's doing it for us. And we, we take our hat off to them and really appreciate the work they're doing. David, well, well said. And if you if you look at um, back at the the, fir the first year of the, the pandemic, when uh, the prime minister came ill because of um, old COVID, he stated when he came out successfully at the other end, uh, we're, we're a nation of fatties. I'm going to do everything that we can to reduce the burden on, on the NHS. We're going to get people to eat properly um, ongoing. So, again, it's a fantastic segue for the likes of um, Veg Power with everything that Dan and his uh, his amazing team have already set up to use that as a, as a springboard to go on to, uh, on, on to the next thing. Um, David, I've just got a, a, quick, a question in um, on WhatsApp. Which agricultural college did you go to? So for all those out there, there's a big rivalry with all the colleges in the, in, in the, in the UK. Um, so, so, David, what's the answer? Which, which college did you go to? It was the best, but it's no longer, I'm afraid. Seal Hayne Agricultural College. Yeah. Oh, Seal Hayne. No, that was, uh, yeah, it was the most, probably the, the most beautiful college um, out there. So, so that's even, even better, David, that you were a member of such an, an illustrious clan. So, congratulations <laughs> to you. And all, Long live all those that went to see your hate. So come on, come on, Dan. Give give us an update on on Veg Power since we last spoke. Um, how are you all? Where are you all? Where are you going next? Well, we're getting ready for our next big kids campaigns going out on the twenty eighth of February. Uh, we've got over three million pounds worth of advertising once again donated by ITV Channel Four and Sky, and we're hoping wow. to push our kids program out to a million kids. Uh, which will be uh, very exciting if we do it. It's going to all come down to funding, um, but uh, we're hoping that we can get the programme out to a million kids because that's where it really makes a difference. Um, we've got some other things in the pipeline. We've got a very, uh, a very nice little campaign coming up around tray breaks, which is about uh, trying to encourage people to put some extra veg in when they cook a tray bake and then turn it into an extra meal the next day very quickly, very easily. And we've got some fantastic celebrities coming in behind that, um, such as uh, Mission Star Chef Tom Aitken and uh, uh, Hugh Fernie Whitting Store, of course, will always support us. And uh, the lady who does the roasting team, which you may have heard of, and a few other sort of Instagrammers and TikTokers and the other stuff the kids are listening to. Um, and hopefully we'll get some good momentum behind that uh, just to inspire people in practical ways that they can uh, get more veg into their homes and their diets. Thank, thank you, Dan. Um, uh, David, last time we did this broadcast, uh, it was like having a celebrity chef with us because Dan was telling us how to tray bake. Um, and when, when I got, got, got home, I actually um, uh, did what Dan requested um, in respect of the, it, it's, it quite, it's quite a, a straightforward thought, Dan, isn't it? That you make a tray break, uh, tray break, but you make it for two days worth of meals. Um, so that that type, that effort that you put in can be spread over two days, and again, I just love that. And it's nice little nichey um, things, things like that that can encourage uh, parents, families, uh, couples to actually elongate uh, the, the enjoy of cooking over, over over a couple of days, so they can create more time uh, by eating better. So, 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 Dan, are you going to do anything like that for us today? Well, we actually see. Um... If we, as you mentioned, there was a lot more scratch cooking during the pandemic and that's starting to drop away, right? And we don't want people to drop away because we know that when people scratch cook, they generally eat healthy meals. It's also, frankly, it's good for the home, it's good for families. So we need to do everything we do to try and help people to keep that scratch cooking alive and convenience is very, very essential in that. So the tray bake thing, that's all about convenience and, and come Ch uh, Chinese New Year, which is the end of January, beginning of February, we're going to be doing some really basic stir fry stuff. So it's what I call Tuesday night recipes. So people tend to focus on Saturday night recipes when you use half a kitchen utensils, it takes an hour and a half, it costs you 15 pounds a head, and it's a big deal. But actually, what most people want is a Tuesday night recipe when you can't be bothered, you're absolutely exhausted, you don't want to spend much money, you might not have what you thought you had in the fridge, and you just want to get through it and get the job done and have everybody happy. And that's the place where everybody needs support. And so the tray bakes is like that. And if we can give people just the basic mechanics of a stir fry, you can chuck almost whatever you can find in your fridge into a stir fry. Right? And five, ten minutes, boom, you've got a meal, everyone's happy. And that's the way I think we can current support people and encourage them just to get more veg into their diet on a daily basis. David, I'm smiling because it's like having a celebrity chef on board, isn't it? Oh, but, 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 but he also describes it so well without, um, without ha having, having, without it being in a kitchen. Dan, I think you've got another vacation. What do you think, David? 
Well, I'd love to come around for a meal, wouldn't you? Yeah. Quite yeah you, you'll be so disappointed. I talk the talk. A couple of children's shoes, isn't it? Uh, so maybe I'm the Mrs. Beaton for the 21st century. What do you reckon, Max? I think I go for that. Yeah, D David, are we going to give it, give it, give a thumbs up or a thumbs down? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, de definitely. But have, now remind, remind me and and smack me on the back of the head with a caution if I've forgotten this. Veg Power, the the recipe book books. What what have you done with that? Because that that would be that is very powerful. Would be very powerful. Yeah, I mean, we do so we do have a recipe book that we created when we first. That's right. And we still sell them. Uh, bits here now. I've got many left now, actually. Um, but we've got a lot of digital recipes uh, online. But um, we're increasingly interested in uh, in the simple, right? I mean, what we hear back from parents is that's all well and good, but please just give me simple and easy things to do that aren't full of stress. Yeah, okay, well said. Um, and Dan, when would you like us to pay, um, play this amazing video? Well, I, should, I think, so. let me give you a bit of background to it. And okay. I see there's, there's a question that's come up in, in chat about this very, very issue is, yeah, you'll all know that about 30% of the UK's greenhouse gas emissions, Matthew, I can't say that, greenhouse gas emissions are coming from food. And that means everything. That's imported food, domestically grown food. Food contributes about a third of greenhouse gas emissions here in the UK. Yet food's not on the agenda at COP at all. There is nothing on food at COP at all about how we are can you, reduce that 30%. Are you serious? I didn't know that. Absolutely serious, right? Because people that. like to talk about energy as where these things tend to focus and food doesn't make it onto the agenda. Now we need to get that food onto the agenda because not only are there amazing things happening, but actually food is one of the areas of each of us, because each of us want to try and do the right thing about climate change, but there's only so much we can do ourselves as individuals. One of the most significant things we can do as individuals is think about where our food is coming from and how it's being made and what we're eating. And that can massively introduce our, uh, reduce our own personal carbon footprint. Now, what we want to do with this video is not only sort of raise awareness around what great crop vegetables are, you know, as, as in terms of the major food groups, there is none that has a better environmental footprint than vegetables. And even more so, those vegetables are made locally in our domestic markets. What's really surprised me, uh, in my, as I've learned more and more about the UK horticulture sector, is the amount of effort that's being put in by our growers here in Britain and in Ireland to, to even make even better their environmental footprint, to reduce their carbon footprints, their impacts on the water systems. And because there's absolutely best, best, best of breed of product you can buy. And so in order to uh, acknowledge that and recognize that and communicate it to the world, we asked Hugh Fernie Whittingstall if he would help us make a video celebrating just some examples of what uh, British growers are doing. And we have created a very, very short film that we hope will circulate widely during the course of COP to remind everybody what an important part our sector has to play in the climate change debate. Excellent. Shall I press play? Press play, go for it. Okay, so this is a, um, David, Matt, I always- David uh, hasn't seen this yet. Uh, yeah. David, <laughs> so I always- He's still smiling at the end because he gets the mention. <laughs> Oh, hold on, hold on. Yes. So, so, Jess, I always call this my, my Raymond Blanc moment. That uh, uh, I always have an issue streaming live videos, so we'll see how we get on. Um, Dan, David, can you just turn off your videos, please? Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go, everyone. We've got a lot to thank vegetables for. We all know that they're good for us, helping our bodies to function at their best. But they're also good for the planet, because of all the foods we eat, vegetables have the lowest environmental impact. This is important because food consumption contributes a staggering 30% of greenhouse gas emissions in the UK, with 10% coming from agriculture. So choosing vegetables, the lower carbon food, really will make a difference. Every day here in the UK, our veg growers are working that much harder to reduce their impact on the environment. Delicious golden sweet corn is a veg we can enjoy all year round, and it's harvested fresh from July to October. In the heart of Sussex, sweet corn growers Barfoots use anaerobic digestion, which cleverly turns the mass of waste husks produced during preparation into power for their entire plant and 3,000 local homes. In Cornwall, cauliflower... 
flour and broccoli growers Riviera Produce use an alternative source of energy to power their tractors to reduce the amount of carbon in the atmosphere. Methane gas from cow's slurry is captured, cleaned and compressed to produce the fuel. One tractor running on this fuel takes the equivalent of 680 cars off the road each year. Using water more efficiently is also key for the planet. At Green Yard in Norfolk, millions of peas are processed every day and frozen as quickly as possible to preserve their nutrients. As this requires huge volumes of water, Green Yard has installed a wastewater facility that cleans the water before it's recycled back into the system. In the UK, greenhouses allow tomatoes to be grown all year round. EVG in Eastham uses solar panels and anaerobic digestion to reduce their environmental impact. And the surplus electricity and gas produced is returned back to the national grid for use in local homes. Mushroom producer Monaghan are recycling agricultural byproducts to produce the high-performing substrate in which the mushrooms grow. Once the mushrooms have been harvested, this spent substrate is in turn recycled to condition the soil on arable farms. These are just a few of the actions helping to make vegetables one of the healthiest choices, not just for us, but for the planet. So what can we do on a personal level? We can eat more veg. In fact, if all of us followed the government's Eat Well Plate dietary guidance and ate at least five portions of vegetables and fruit per day, the UK's greenhouse gas emissions from our diets would decrease by over 30%. So upping your intake of veg really is a brilliant way to reduce your impact on the environment. Whatever your dietary preference, put veg first on your shopping list. And whenever you are shopping for food, look out for the great seasonal veg grown here in the UK and Ireland. By acting now to up the veg in our diets, we'll be protecting the planet and our health and looking after future generations. Wow, guys. Can you just come back in? Where, where I think it's, um, David, you come back in as well, please. Uh, where I think that's uh, that's fascinating, Dan, is that when you started uh, Veg Power, that campaign, you were going in a particular direction about uh, exciting, educating kids, and and now there's it's it's fascinating how there's uh, with what you've been able to do with that messaging, you're able to educate one and all about the good that Veg actually does, uh, the the production element as well as the consumption um, element of it. If if I've oh sorry, I have to turn my video on. If, if I've got one. Um, um, bugbear about our sector, as uh, as, De as David sort of intimated um, at, at the beginning, we're not very good at, um, at promoting ourselves. My, my view is that if we could educate the consumer and the the, the 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 retailer and schools as to how much time and effort and energy and love and passion from the likes of David and his colleagues goes into actually growing vegetables in the UK, it would encourage the consumer to 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 consume more because they they know they're actually doing good, but even doing doing good on, on our environmental basis. David, you haven't seen that video before. What, what's your view? What did you think, think of it, please? Well, you know, just adding on to that, do you know three florets of cauliflower a day gives you 67% of the amount of vitamin C you need each day? And, and you know, Ooh. things like that, it, it, it's just packed our, our edges with, with, with goodness. But um, going back to the video, you know, the video I thought was um, was very good, actually. And and who would ever thought we'd be running tractors out, out of um, methane from cautillary? You know, it's... Uh, yeah. It's quite incredible what they've done there, but it, that's carbon negative. So, you know, it's really doing a great thing for the environment because um, traditionally slurry is stored in open stores and all the methane just goes into the atmosphere. But now that's being captured yeah. and replacing diesels in tractors to, to run tractors. And uh, I think it's got a great opportunity there um, going forward on that. But, um, you know, the veg industry is just packed with ideas. We're, we're also doing um, something called minimum till cultivation. So we we actually grow cover crops, um, which keep all the soil um, together through, um, you know, storms and, and rain. When we have um, huge downpours of rain, it helps to stabilise the soils. Um, and we, once the cover crops are, are, are finished, we, we um, take them off and, and do strip till mechanism um, to plant our crops into. So we're planting them into a very small level. We don't actually plough the land anymore. And um, that's had an amazing effect on the worm counts and, and on the ability of the soils to actually absorb water in great um, downpours 
and also on the ability of the soil to retain water in periods of drought. So um, it's, it's working very well for us, to be honest, and, and, and that's something which is great. And also, you know, the, the pleasure it gives me walking into a field full of um, flowering uh, phacelia or something like that as a cover crop when it's humming with bees. Oh, it's, it's oh. amazing to look at. It really is amazing to look at. It does so much good for the environment. It really does. So we, uh, David, we just had a WhatsApp. Um, I could listen to David all day. Does he do farm tours? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, I think I think got a social media star. Oh, talking social media stars. Um, uh, commenting on on WhatsApp. Um, really fantastic video, uh, Dan. You're more handsome than your brother on on the basis that he, he Hugh's not your brother, is he? Hugh's definitely not my brother. No. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, Dan, with the comments that um, and we just had another one in from Gary Brad Bradbury. What a fantastic video. Well done, Dan. Um, you, you must be very proud of that video that you've created, especially with the timing of COP26. But we can't just pat you on the back. We now, we now need to all collaborate and push this video out. I, I know you very kindly sent it to me this morning as it's fresh off the blocks. Uh, where will we see it um, so that we can uh, promote it out for you? Well, uh, so it's going to be uh, so this this we premiered it exclusively live oh, on your show, Max. Um, it's going to get pushed out this afternoon. It'll be up on our social media channels this afternoon. It'll be up on our website this afternoon. Uh, Hugh's going to be pushing it out on his social media, as are, are some other people too. So uh, head to um, either our website by vegpower.org.uk. Or probably better to find us on on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It'll it'll all be up on there. Excellent. Okay, so can, can we just put out that housing call on behalf of uh, of, of Dan Vegpower and also David and all the other veg growers? If you can look out for that uh, that that link, and we'll share it at our, our end and just repost it to get that momentum going. Um, again, COP twenty six. I just think it's astounding what Dan has intimated that there is no agenda point on there about about food and if we can get people to eat more of david's and his colleagues uh, fresh vegetables uh, we, we can we can do well for the planet and also do well for for us and our, and our kids um on ongoing um, so max can i so just pick up on that point because i think it's really important to highlight why does this video matter right the video matters because fundamentally we face a problem where the crop that we produce is undervalued is undervalued in retail is undervalued by consumers right but actually it, it we should be looking upon it as part of the answer to some of the pro biggest problem the world is facing currently so i mean Gar gary also asks about how we calculated our figure on so co2 reduction and, and the answer to that is there's analysis done by the carbon trust and what they looked at is they looked at what we're eating and looked at what the government's recommendations are of what we should be eating and if we switch between the first to the second, we'll reduce, we'll see that reduction in our greenhouse gas emissions. Now there's lots of component parts to that, particularly around eating less meat and things of that nature. But a big important part of that is to increase our veg consumption up to about 20% of our diet. At the moment, it's probably more like about 7%. Now we need to, for the sake of the planet, et cetera, we need to get that message out there that we need to move from that 7% to the 20% for the nation's health and for the planetary health. But also what we need to do as a sector is we've got to underline just what a great, wonderful thing vegetables are, not just you know, in terms of taste, but just what a great contribution they're making to the food system. And hopefully we can see people actually recognize the value that seems to be lost in their perception. And we can start talking about making it so we can produce fantastic quality, brilliant carbon footprint product at a price that allows everybody across the entire supply line to actually make some money out of doing it. And we're not there at the moment. And if we yeah. want to have a healthy industry, it's the place we really need to get to. Yeah. And I'd even go a little bit further on previous broadcasts. We've had Tim O'Malley. Tim O'Malley is the CEO of Nationwide Produce. Nationwide Produce turned over approximately 150 million um, in, and they've got sites in the UK, Ireland, uh, Spain and, and Holland, as he stated. Um, Max, it's crazy. We're in the, we're in the zeitgeist. We're, we're, we're so sexy. Our sector is so, so sexy. Um, but we're the only sector um, who has seen a, a, a diminishing return when we're actually selling more. Why is this? The retailers need to wake up to this. And just overnight, there's been reports of um, price increases coming through from 
From the retail sector, we're aware that there's a number of um, retail tenders that have um, um, been held over because the retailers are trying to work out what's going on because they're, they're a bit confused as to everything that's, that is going on. That There needs to be price inflation because we've got haulage issues, prices going up there, uh, labour issues, prices going up there, as we know, packaging issues, prices going up there, as, as we know. And these costs, the, the, the likes of David and other growers, they can't hold hold those costs, they need to pass those on. So we've already got this situation where the retailers are, are, are up in the costs of certain fresh produce items, but the growers aren't seeing that return. So what are we saying, guys? We're, we're not looking to, to ever have a war war with retailers. We just need them to understand um, that on the basis that they're selling 80 plus um, percentage uh, percent of all the fruit and veg, that we need to see this return coming back to, to the growers for all the reasons that we just talked about. <laughs> Where do we start for the good of the planet um, and also doing good by the, by these growers so they can, can, do, can do good for this whole infrastructure, as, um, as, as David's just, just mentioned. I could go on about this um, this all day, but David, what, what are your thoughts, if it's OK? And I'm not looking to obviously com compromise you. You're such a big grower and you're such a professional grower. What can we do to, to assist you and your, your uh, fellow veg growers to make it easier for you so that you can invest for the future? David, what's the answer? Well, I think, to be honest, you know, the supermarkets have got an enormous responsibility now. You know, our futures are in their hands and it's it's down to them to encourage us and work to us as a true partnership. You know, they're very good at quoting that they want to work in partnership with British growers and all this sort of stuff. But now is the time when we need to help more than any time in my whole career. You know, we are at the position now where we're having... In incredible increases in costs. You know, fertilizer up over 100%, tractor diesel up over 100%. You know, we've got electric costs, um, new contracts are looking at over 40% increases. You know, we're looking at labor up um, 10 to 15%, and, and you can't get labor. You know, this is the problem. We're really struggling to get labor, and that's something we need to, to touch on, perhaps about the seasonal worker scheme having to be continued with the government. But the, the, the supermarkets themselves, you know, we're in discussions at the moment trying to get some increased cost um, to cover these these massive costs that we're trying to endure. Some of them are talking and listening to us, but others are, are almost denying it. And, and you think, well, you know, we cannot survive like this. And now should be a fantastic time when British produce is really yeah. shrinking from the rooftops after Brexit. And we should be in a position where our industry should be booming. And, you know, what, and coming on to us saying, please grow us more British, fantastic British veg. We could do it as, as an industry. We could do it. What's happening? No, they're putting a clamp on, on the prices and saying, you, you know, no, we, we can't afford it. We're struggling. We're under pressure and you can't, we can't increase your prices. And what will happen is that growers are walking. In fact, growers are walking with their feet. They're saying yeah. enough's enough. We cannot continue. And it's not sustainable. And yeah. that's not what should be happening. You know, we should be encouraging British produce and, and, and paying a bit more. And I'm sure that the general public will, will pay more money for their produce if they knew that it was going to the farmers and, and was, was going to enable us to continue to survive. Because without more money, there'll be a, the industry will be a totally different place within six to 12 months, not a long time, within six to 12 yeah. months. And, and uh, David, just to give you an example of that, two weeks ago, I, I was uh, asked to go down to the National Fruit Show in Kent that hadn't been held um, uh, properly on a face-to-face -face, uh, basis for, 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 two, for two years. And they had this amazing display, I'm sure you've both seen it, of, um, of apples. Um, and it must be, I don't know, a hundred foot long of, of the prize winning apples. And one of the um, uh, the winning entries, um, that it was very sad because that's their last year of entering because uh, they just can't make it uh, financially work anymore. Even though they're a fifth generation business, they decided that they need to, to pull out. And they had Sarah Prentice, um, MP and head of state for DEFRA, uh, there giving the uh, giving the open speech uh, the opening speech for the for the event, um, and it turns out that uh, her, she's named Victoria after Victoria Plums because her her parents uh, farm, um, and she said in her opening uh, speech that uh, what growers need to do uh, to be more efficient is go into robotics. Um, and yeah, I, I, I get that, but that's not going to short um, solve the the, the the issue in the short term, it, David, is it? And also because, um, say, something specific like raspberry uh, picking um, or, or tomato picking, hydraulics, the, the technology to to create that is is four or five years um, down the line. Um, and after she said that, um, we had the very eloquent Tom Bradshaw, um, vice president for the NFU, very eloquently just put her back in a box, stating, no, we don't actually need robotics. That's going to come. But we need help from government. We need, we've got a big labor issue, um, David, as, uh, as you intimated. And again, we just seem to be in this oddity 
go back to Tim and Mali that we're in our zeitgeist. We're, we're sexy. Um, people are looking to buy um, more and more veg. Um, but uh, the likes of yourself, David, are just getting a, a, um, a, a slow return. I just wonder whether it's going to be a bit like um, uh, the, the haulage issues that we saw in the labour is labor issues within the likes of the, the pig and poultry sector, that the government will wake up to the fact that actually we're at a crunch point now and we need to do something um, about it. David, we've seen that in other sectors. Are you positive, especially on the likes of the labour side, that we might see a change, that we might see a government change well, that, that will then impact on the retailers? If, if we don't get the seasonal workers scheme continued, the horticulture industry in the UK is finished. It's as simple as that. You know, we cannot continue without labour at the moment. Um, you know, it costs millions of pounds to develop the machinery and the equipment for harvesting. It's such specialist equipment and we're such a fragmented industry. If you think of all the hundreds of different products in the horticultural industry, and we've all got different requirements on automation and what we require, it's not one standard, um, one size fits all situation. So we, we need um, specific machines designed for our particular business, which is going to take an awful lot of money. And when you're um, in negative margins on some of the crops yeah. that we're growing now, how does that entice you into spending millions of pounds into trying to develop um, automation? We can't do that. And, yeah. you know, it's, as far as the labour situation goes, you know, our industry is something that's got to plan weeks, months, years ahead on how we develop and how we work forward. Here we are coming up to the end of the year. At the end of the year, the seasonal worker scheme is supposed to finish. Um, if it's not continued, um, you know, we haven't got an industry and it's so last minute and everything seems to be knee-jerk reactions yep. and all that we're doing at the minute. And it's so difficult to plan. And to be honest, the whole industry feels scared at the minute because they don't know quite which way things are moving. And it's all changing so quickly with all the price increases and everything else that's happening that industry as a whole just doesn't know which way to go. And it's, I, I know a lot of people that are saying, I've had enough of this, you know, we're going to come out of horticulture and go into cereals. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's much more easy to predict and, and, and easier to, to sort of manage. And the cereal prices are good. So there are alternatives out there, which really hurts me because, you know, I'm passionate about what we grow and I, and I love what we grow. And I feel that it's so important that we encourage British vegetable growers to continue growing. And it'll be such a shame if we lose this industry because of a lack of foresight. Because once it's gone, it doesn't come back. Yeah. So, you know, we've got to encourage them. We've got to keep them in, in position now. Yeah. And, and David, Dan and I don't want to lose you. Um, or any of your, your fellow growers. And unfortunately, I don't know about uh, you, Dan, I've heard this comment so many times before over the last month that growers are scared because they just don't know what's going to happen in, in the future. And, and it doesn't, And it, as David says, it just feels like the government are doing knee-jerk reactions. If, if anything, the solution seems to be on, on the retailer side. And as we are just talking in the, in, the, uh, in the green room, we've got the, the climate change impact. You just look at, back at that video about the impact that this sector can have positively on, on UK uh, climate change. And, and David, Dan, this is such a great opportunity for growth. Uh, people want more and more uh, fresh produce. So why can't the retailers pay David and the vegetable growers in the UK a little bit more? And, and David, <laughs> David, you're not asking for a king's ransom, are you? <laughs> it's... it's, it's you're, you're, ask any farmer how to how to run a business with, with, with no money and, and they'll, they'll tell you they'll, they'll give you an electronic they just need a little bit more margin to be able to invest in the, in the future to, to assist this climate change impact in a positive manner and create this opportunity for growth for, 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 the, for the retailers david retails haven't gone up for about 20 years and on, on our sector and, and it's scary you know our, our prices which we're getting now are less than what we had 10 years ago and, and you think, well, how can you take, keep taking costs out of the system year on year when we've had these increases? You know, you look at the, the labour gone up 30 odd percent in the last, what was it, last eight to nine years or something um, in, in costs and, and things like that. You know, it's tremendous increases we've had to absorb over the years. But now we're coming to the point where it's all trimmed to the bone. And the problem is farmers are notorious for crying wolf. Um, yeah. This isn't the time when we're crying wolf. This is the yeah. time when we need action. And, um, you know, I know for a fact that the um, Brasca sector will be severely reduced come next summer, where people have already said enough's enough and they've put it into wheat. Um, and, and that won't be pulled back. And, and I think that, uh, you know, we're not crying wolf anymore. This is reality now. The sector yeah. needs help urgently. Yeah. And, and Dan, you're, you're in a fantastic um, scenario here that when you started uh, vegetable with your with your colleagues you were looking to promote consumption of, of fresh produce to, to better the, the the health of the nation now dan you, you you and your colleagues you actually might be able to help us you might be a bit, bit of the, the solution to the magic bullet in the respect of uh, persuading 
consumers to buy more veg and retailers waking up to the fact that um, there's, there's been no price increases for, the, for David and his colleagues for, for, for years. And if they invest into the UK veg sector, it's going to be beneficial to those, those retailers. It's going to be a great opportunity for growth. Dan, can you help us? Well, I think I think you need to break this down to several parts. Right? It's um, it's very easy to put a focus of blame onto retailers, but I think we need to look a little bit wider. And we need to start with the government. So there's one of the questions that came through from Antoinette was about what we would be asking policy uh, leaders to do. And as all the pieces are moving, aren't they, at the moment, with this, with this coming out of the European Union, with the AHDB most likely taking a backseat role in horticulture, we've got a lot of pieces moving. And what the government needs to do is, I, I feel, in DEFRA, is make a substantial, it needs to vote with its money in favour of horticulture. So we need a properly constructed plan that supports the industry in a way that we've not had before across a range of issues that I don't fully understand because it's not my job, but David would understand better around crop sciences and what have you, et cetera. And they need to set aside a fund of something like about hundred million pounds that is designed to support British horticulture. So we know as a starting point, the government is committed to the future of the sector within this country. And that hasn't happened yet. And that needs to happen. Right. The second thing is we also ask our policy leaders to make sure they're supporting us in their trade negotiations and the other things they're working on that's going through in terms of the environmental bills and agricultural bills that are going through that are aimed at supporting British horticulture. <clears throat> the next thing, and this is where what Reg Power's role is, is we need to get the British consumers valuing their veg because the reason why a bag of carrots is 39p is because the British consumers do not put a great deal of value on a bag of carrots. Okay? And the fundamental problem that we need to address is that perception of it being treated like a commodity product. So if consumers treat it like a commodity, supermarkets are treated like a commodity, and it will go around in circles, and that ultimately just puts price pressure on folk like David. If consumers are appreciating the fact that actually a piece of broccoli coming from, from David's farm down in Cornwall is a better choice for them, it's a better choice for the planet, it's a better choice for, for our country, it's a better choice for our rural communities, then what the supermarkets and everyone will see is a willingness to pay a greater price for a better product. And that's how we get to win. We get to win by mm. producing a better product. And much the same way as many other sectors, you know, we won't compete on engineering or steel or these things with the cheapest around the world. What we'll compete at is with the best in the world. And what we need to be at in horticulture is the best in the world at producing fantastic product with a great environmental story that actually costs a little bit more at point of purchase. And I think that's the that's what Veg Bauer has to try and establish in people's heads yeah. is to highlight that value. Yeah. And, and are you up for that challenge, Dan? Am I up for that challenge? Well, that's uh, I've signed up to do this. It's a 10 year project. Um, we're only three years in. We've got a very, very long way to go. Uh, and, you know, one of the shouts we're going to be asking the government is I think they uh, they need to be promoting healthy food products more vigorous than they are now. If okay. they want to address these issues, I'm seeing tomorrow morning the new boss of the um, the uh, the new health promotions department within the Department of Health, the people who passed PHE. Wow. Okay. And my question to him is going to be, yeah, we know what it is that we need people to do to improve their health. We've just got to find a way to encourage them to do it. And that means you need to get out and make some really great noise about the things we would like people to do. And what we'd like people to do is to eat, you know, not just us at Veg Power, but what we as, as our scientists and our doctors would like people to do is to eat more vegetables. And the government needs to get behind that. Because as David said towards the beginning of this session, is the money doesn't exist inside the sector to compete toe to toe with the fizzy drinks and crisps and other things that people might eat. The margins aren't there. But if that's what the government want people to do, they need to step up into that and get behind it. Yeah, and I, I love that comment. I'm sure you do as well, David, that about 100 million uh, to be invested into the sector. Good God, we spent 32 billion on a track and trace app that, that no, no one uses. I, I, wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's any money behind the sofa that could be uh, directed into, into this sector instead. Um, national food strategy, um, uh, Dan, a lot of people being um, hoping that as it goes through the white paper stage with Mr. Dimbleby's involvement on it, stating that we should be taxing high sugary food, high, high fat food, that that's actually going to be um, a, a direction to all of us to eat more of um, David and David's uh, growing colleagues more food. What's your view of the national food strategy today? Is that is that part of the of, of the solution, please? Well, give us 24 hours 
because uh, <laughs> around this time tomorrow, uh, Henry Dimbleby has kindly agreed to do a private Q&A session with the members of Veg Power, um, and he's going to get a pretty decent grilling of, uh, of the growers and other organisations that support Veg Power uh, about the national food strategy and the direction it brings for veg. Um, I, the, the question I find very interesting, there's, there's an awful lot in the national food strategy to support families who are on very low incomes, which is fantastic. The question I have about national food strategy is, is what's it going to do to improve the diet of the people who are not on very low incomes, yeah. which in truth is a majority of the population, and there needs to be more there. But we will be giving Henry a very decent grilling. Are you coming along to that, David, tomorrow? Yes, yep, hope to be there. Yep. Right, we'll give him a tough grilling, but you know what? Henry is a massive great fan of veg power. He's a massive great fan of vegetables. As you know, he's a foodie by, by heart. Uh, but we need to make sure that he becomes a champion of our sector within the influence of DEFRA and the National Food Strategy. Yeah, well, well done. Well done. And uh, just a lovely segue. Uh, Patricia Jansen, thank you very much on, on LinkedIn. Uh, thank you for the video. Very convincing, honest and encouraging. Um, so got lots of positive comments com coming through before it's even um, officially released. And, and guys, shall we just try and, and bring it bring it back to, <laughs> to the actual subject title about how British and Irish veg growers are adapting their businesses in relation to, to climate change? Um, David, you're our, obviously our, our experts in this because we've all um, both seen Dan's garden and it's nowhere near as big as your 8,000 acres that you, <laughs> you've got down, down in Cornwall. Have, have, have you enjoyed... Um, adapting, here comes that word, pivoting your, your business in relation to, to, to climate change. I suppose going to such a great college, such as Seal Hayne, one thing that you learned there, like I did at Harper, was that when you're a farmer, you're not in it for uh, one harvest, you're in it for 55 harvests. And look at yourself with your, with your son coming in, as you said, earlier, fourth, fifth generation. Have you enjoyed looking at how you can adapt your business to climate change and how that could benefit the, the, the business in the long term? Yeah, no, certainly. Well, I think from our perspective, you know, climate is changing. It's, we, we've got proof of that. We seem to have prolonged periods now of dry or wet or windy or, or um, cold. And it doesn't seem to, whether it's um, um, the memory getting getting worse or whether it's actually happening, I don't know. But, but I do feel that climate is having quite an impact on, on the crops that we grow. And we're having to think about the varieties we grow. Some varieties work better um, in certain conditions than others. So we've got to change varieties for that. Wow. Um, we're looking at the, um, the, the sort of the mintil side of our business and cover crops and, and how that can help. Because I think in the past as, as farmers and, and growers, we've tended to abuse the soil and not treat it as, as, the, as, as, as the food for our crops. And now we're certainly viewing, looking at the soil and the way that we manage the soil and the way which we look after the soil. And we're treating it as a god um, because, you know, how many hundreds of years does it take to form that, that soil? And, you know, when you go out sometimes in periods of heavy rain and see it brown rivers going down the road, that's not right. You know, all that, all that um, fantastic topsoil that we've got, it's being washed down the, the road. So we're looking to keep as much as we can in the field by making sure that the fields are covered with crops the whole time. Um, and we're looking to also, um, you know, utilise that soil to try and make it produce for us so that perhaps we, we haven't got to use so much um, P&K, so much um, nitrogen, by, um, because we can use perhaps the cover crops to provide some of that um, nitrogen for us, provide the cover crops perhaps take out some of the um, phosphates out of the soil so that we can, the next crop can actually use it better. Um, so we're looking at how we can work with nature and, and how we can um, try and get nature to, to help us rather than sort of um, uh, abuse what we've got. And I think as, as far as the, the climate goes, you know, we're based down in Cornwall here. Um, it's a fantastic part of the world. We're surrounded on three sides by the sea. So we have the fantastic breezes coming off the sea to keep our um, our sort of climate cooler in the summer and, and warmer in the winter. So it, it's a great place for growing brassicas. And, um, you know, we're very fortunate to be living down here. Um, but, you know, I think we've got to make sure that we, we look after the climate and the country and we as individuals have got to wake up to the fact that whatever we can do to try and um, improve um, the, the sort of climate and, and the um, carbon footprint, we've got, to, we've got to act and we've got to act quickly on it. So that's why we're looking at this with tractors, methane powered tractors. We're looking at, um, we've got tractors running on vegetable oil and things like that as well. We're looking at all sorts of different um, ways that we can manage and operate our business 
to reduce the carbon footprint. Because um, it's important. We all got to take responsibility, every one of us. Yeah, and, and David, well done. Hugely eloquently put across. Just a question in from a friend of mine who's a nutritionist. He's based in in, in London, and when I've spoken to her at length previously, she she says she doesn't understand the the the, the countryside. So. So you'll appreciate this question. David sounds like a fa fantastic farmer. Is David um, uh, 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 singing alone or are other growers just like David? Are, are you are you working on a solo basis or are all growers as good as you on, their, on a regenerative on, a, on, on this uh, on this basis of uh, adapting the adapting your farm for climate change? Well, I think it's probably fair to say we've been leading the way with it. But now there's a lot of people looking over the gate and coming to see us and everything. And when we sort of do soil um, pits in fields, and, and we've, you know, we've done a few of those recently where we have local farmers come and have a look at the worm counts in the soils and the soil structures and how things are improving. I think it's sort of beginning to dawn on everybody now that, you know, we've got to look after these soils. Um, and as you said earlier, you know, it's generation upon generation. We, it's our responsibility to try and improve the soil, not destroy them. Yeah. Uh, it's very important that we take our responsibility seriously. Uh, with David's son now in the business, how can David see his sons uh, looking? His son looking to uh, envisage the business on a climate change basis 20, 20 25 years uh, down down the line. Um, how what what would, what do you want this to look like 20, 25 years down the line? I suppose David is the question. Um, in, I, in respect of your farm, don't want us to be growing oranges and um, and bananas. <laughs> Um, you know, I hope that the climate uh, in Cornwall will stay fairly similar to what it is now um, and that we'll be in a position that um, we've learned how to um, work with the climate and how to work with our soils to um, grow fantastic veg um, and perhaps reduce some of the imports that are coming in. Um, I think the more British veg that we can grow in the UK, the better it is for climate. Um, you know, the food miles that um, were with, with our particular crops are so much different. The alternatives to us not growing it is growing it in Spain or Morocco or places like that. Well, you know, that's not right, is it? When we yeah. grow on our, our footstep here. So we've got to try and look at ways that we can mitigate the climate to be able to grow these crops going forward. Yeah, but and one thing that we haven't really mentioned on, David, um, uh, Dan, is taste. Oh, my God, the, 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 the fantastic taste of fresh produce, especially from the likes of um, David's farm, rather than it being shipped in from um, from south southern Europe when it's been on the road for four or five days in a, in, a, in a chiller to actually have fresh produce from the likes of Cornwall is is just is just um, awe, awe inspiring. So to Dan, to, we've got this really interesting oxymoron here that we've got lots of lots of comments coming in, lots of positive comments about David and, and his um, stance on regenerative agriculture around climate change. Um, and lots of comments coming in, uh, positive comments about, uh, about the video, but also lots of debate as, as to where the solution is in respect of the growers getting more money. That it, is it the government? Is it government involvement? Is it retailer involvement? Is, is it the both? Um, Dan, help me on this one. What, what is going to be the panacea for, for, for this to create this, this long term solution so that we can feed the nation properly with, with David's and, and his growing colleagues? Um, fantastic fresh, fresh fresh produce is is it government support is it retail support is it both what do you think i think um there is a growing pressure on retailers about their environmental footprint and climate change and as great as we will be aware that consumers are more and more interested in this subject right? as a result what we've seen huge great change in grocers in the last few years is how far they're looking down their supply chain the detail of which they're looking down their supply chain in order to look at what the impact in terms of, of greenhouse gas emissions and water usage and other things are. And we've seen in terms of advertising, it will be familiar with ads from Sainsbury's and Morrison's very much about pushing green credentials. Now, the reality is that where, where there's a, a, a collision coming is the better quality products that the supermarkets would like to have in their stores in terms of environmental footprint cost more money to make so that means you know if you want a really good quality product in terms of climate change it's going to be made here in the uk right which means we're going to have to pay wages to people here in the uk we're going to want it made using efficient energy sources like the methane gas system that david's put in place and the anaerobic digestion the solar plants we've seen in the video all of which cost money all of which cost investment all of which require certainty over the future and this pressure of downwardly on price there's a point at which you simply cannot produce the product that they want at the price that's being afforded and i think we're at that meeting point now 
And I suspect the way it will crunch out, I fear that we're going to end up with a smaller but better paid horticulture sector in the UK, which is a shame. And I suspect we'll probably end up more like a 70% import rather than a 50% import. But that 30% will get paid more money and be able to produce better quality produce. That's not a good conclusion, but it feels like the path we're on. And I'd be very interested, David, in, in your views on that in a half sec. Um, what we've got to do is we've got to increase the insistence by the British consumer that what they're getting is produced here in the UK to high standards and with fair wages. And if we can get the consumer motivated behind that, then the supermarkets then will have a requirement to deliver it. And so it's about encouraging people to buy seasonal veg, encouraging people to ask where their veg has come from, how it's been made. And the more we can do that, the more it's going to create the positive forces we need so that we end up where we want to do, which is the decent size British horticulture sector that actually is operating good, clean product at a viable price that allows people to make a living. It's not a lot to ask, but I think we need that consumer pressure to make it happen. But no, David, I'm, I'm going to throw that chance to you, whether you... I fear we're heading towards a smaller sector at the rate we're going. Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I tend to agree, but it's, it's such a shame because I feel there's a great opportunity now to, to form a strong relationship and partnership between the government, the retailers and, and ourselves as growers, because we all need each other. And, you know, if we could all work together, you know, surely we could have a fantastic future for, for um, British veg and we could also um, create a much healthier um, country to, to live in uh, amongst the population. How much does, you look at obesity in the UK, it's the worst now it's ever been. Um, how much does that cost the NHS? The NHS is in crisis. You know, um, the, the, they're talking about needing billions to get the NHS sorted. You know, well, if we could stop people going into hospital by giving them a healthier diet and giving them the opportunity to have better um, diets, now, surely that would save everybody money. It's a win-win for everyone. And it's, it's sort of staring us in the face. But I don't know, but nobody seems to have the will in government to actually do this. They talk the talk, but they won't walk the walk. And I think it's so important that, you know, the government takes responsibility for this and say, right, you know, we will, we will push this. We will lead this. If they want cheap food, that's fine. But, you know, subsidise it. Do something which helps the, the farmer to, to produce that cheap food, to be able to, to offer it out. Because, you know, it's not... It's not price that, that matters. You know, we, we offer a lot of um, surplus veg to food banks and the amount they take is, is awful. It really is. Um, you know, people don't know on low incomes, don't really know how to cook veg. Yeah. Now, that's probably a, another story, but surely this should be taught in schools. Go back to teaching in schools how children should can cook veg and use veg and, and, and utilise it. And it's, it's such a shame, really, that we as a country, uh, we've, we've got the answers looking at us right in the face and we can't see it and, and act on it to do because it needs joined up um, thinking to, to, to take it through. And, and that's what's got to happen. But um, I, hopefully it won't be too late. And David, just go to back to your point about the uh, the NHS and, and what Dan said earlier about it only needs because they, they crunch the numbers a hundred million uh, of government assistance to as, assist the sector. If you look at back at tobacco, I, I think there's big comparisons to be to be had here. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, the, the government were uh, very willing to um, put the squeeze on the tobacco sector because of the huge pressure it was putting on the NHS at that point in time, knowing they weren't going to get the the tax um, income from um, uh, people buy, buying fags. Um, but they but they did it for the for the good good of the of of the nation and now we've got a situation where we don't have david you're unless you tell me otherwise your veg isn't taxed like like tobacco is your 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 product does does fantastically good so we're not asking a huge amount we're asking for for, for mere pennies from from the government to assist to to bolster uh, the the education of veg um with the likes of dan and his uh, his team to go to that that next stage but it, Guys, it feels like it feels like we're at a crunch point. It's going to go one of two things. I'm always an optimist, and I believe it's going to go the way of of, of yourself, David, the way of you, Dan. What do you think, Dan? Well, I think um, I think we need to be very clear in what we're going to ask the government to do, right? which is we do need a fund that helps support the industry in the many different ways that the industry needs to be supported, which isn't just about demand. Uh, particularly when it comes to sort of investment in some of the new things we talked about robotics earlier on but what we need to see are so the school fruit and veg program which is not locked in stature and ends at the end of year two if i remember properly 
uh, that needs to be extended to be in the whole of primary school. So every single primary school kid is getting a, a free piece of fruit and veg to eat every single day. And it just becomes part of their eating habits as well as being good for their body today. It's good for their habits for life. We need to expand. We have various schemes to help people who've got uh, not very much money to get their kids to this thing called healthy start vouchers. But the uptake on healthy start vouchers is very, very low. And essentially, if people don't uptake the vouchers, the government get to keep the money. So we need to do to make sure that all the people who are eligible for healthy start vouchers can use to get those healthy start vouchers and use them to buy their healthy products. Now, these are the two simple things that we can do, and they're both in the national food strategy to help increase people, to help people, particularly at the lower income uh, end of the, the, the spectrum. The other thing we would like the government to do is to put uh, funds into promoting seasonal vegetables. Uh, ideally, we'd like them to give us the money to promote funds for seasonal vegetables, but frankly, I don't care as long as somebody does <laughs> it. Because you know, we've seen how impactful good quality advertising can be. If you think about this girl can, or you think about the cigarette advertising or the seatbelt yeah. advertising and stuff like that, yeah. is that good quality advertising can reframe how society thinks about things. And we need everybody to get in the mindset that says, if you're buying seasonal British veg, it is better for you. It's probably going to taste better to you. It's going to support your, your, your communities, your rural communities. Great Britain PLC is better for the planet. It's a massive, massive win. So if we take, for example, sometime around June, David's going to start picking his crop, right? And the broccoli will still, I'm talking about his broccoli crop now. The broccoli will stop coming from Spain and it will start coming from Cornwall and the other corners of the UK where we grow it. At that point in time, we should all be rushing to the shops and buying broccoli more than we've been buying broccoli in the six months beforehand, stir frying it, sticking it in salads and loving that broccoli. And then come November, when David's stock is starting to run out, we can turn our attention, I think, probably cauliflowers would be a good shout at that point in time, David, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And if we all think that way and actually start eating with the seasons and eating with nature, right, then we're going to be not only helping to protect businesses like David's and the jobs that go with it, but actually, you know, we're going to be saving our planet, which is what we're here to talk about today. Well done, gentlemen. We're, we're just coming to the, the, the witching hour. Um, I'm just going to steal a, a great question from Antoinette, um, who actually went to Seal Hane, David. I, I don't know if you, if you... So what are the messages to the policy leaders at COP26 regarding the British and Irish veg growers? David, what would be your message to, to the leaders at COP26, please, on behalf of all the growers in the UK, please? Keep it simple. Uh, British veg is great for the environment, it's great for the diet of the nation, and it's great for the climate. And to be honest, we should be taking it and picking it up with open hands and, and promoting it from the rooftops of getting people to eat more British veg and to support the British farmer, to support the British um, public to have a healthy diet. And it's all there within our hands to actually deliver. And we can all do it if we work together and promote it. Fantastic. I, Dan, I'm going to make David our new post, poster boy for the veg sector. Open above yourself, Dan. Dan, Dan what, what's your view? What, what would you say to the policy leaders at COP26 on regarding British and Irish veg growers, please? Well, I, I will probably actually bring in an air of cynicism at this point and ask you the question as to why food is not on the agenda at COP. Right. The answer is that food is the most valuable industry in the world. Food is worth more than oil, guns and cigarettes put together. And there are very, very strong forces that do not want to talk about food and climate change because it takes people to very, very tricky areas in terms of money. Right? And we need to make sure that food is at the forefront of our considerations, just to sit next to energy, at the forefront of our considerations about saying if we want to stop this planet burning to pieces, we need to be thinking about our food. If we do that, it leads a path to British and Irish growers because it needs to be behind every two pound t-shirt and 19 bag of 19 p bag of carrots there's a bad story in terms of the impact on the planet and that's the thing that we need to ask them to change to start talking about this subject and not pretending it doesn't exist gentlemen well done i think this broadcast has been exceptionally good to have 
David, you can see why Dan is the powerhouse that he he is. It's it's, it's great to have someone, an advocate like him, who who understands the the nuances of politics and the the the, the health system, but understands also how you operate and your your needs and, and your requirements. I think it's brilliant that we've got. Thank God we've got Dan Dan on board, and likewise, David, to have you on, and and, and bless you to be. Uh, vocal about what everyone is saying in the respect of the, the, the retailers. We, we love you, but we need you to help us. We need you to help David and, and the other growers. And as David intimated, he's not looking for um, huge amounts of uh, new money. He just needs a little more to be able to invest for the future, to be able to create this positive climate change um, impact. So all credit to to both of you. And and Dan, that, that video, uh, my phone's alight with the, with the number of people uh, enjoying it. The, the Premier, we should have been wearing a tux, David. I, I, I don't know where mine is. Um, so thank you very much for, for allowing Beanstalk to uh, to premiere that, that video. And when it comes out this afternoon, we'll make sure that we share it wide. wide. And, and Dan, we've just got to give a big veg power shout out and the respect to the collaboration um, that we've had some great people um, on. We had Toaster Seeds last, um, last time out. We've got um, uh, David um, here and I'm sure we're going to have others. Um, Dan, would you like other people to join you from the from the veg community in the uk do you, would you like more collaboration would you like more people to join you as members of course we would that's a perfect question max um and we're just about to announce one new member which is a very large seed company which we are not quite got the announcement yet but it should be later this week i mean fundamentally actually i'll give you a piece of maths and this is just a small advert for verbage power and thank you for giving me the opportunity is we received this year £195,000 worth of funding from the industry. And we have delivered over £8 million worth of campaign value in terms of the amount of free stuff and cash okay. we flag out of everybody else on behalf of the industry to make the industry work. That's £41 for every pound the industry has given us. So we do need, I mean, frankly, if you're making your money and you're earning your living out of horticulture, you need to be supporting Veg Power because we are the people, hopefully, if you get behind us, we can be a mouthpiece that hopes yeah. to address some of these issues that we've talked about. Yeah. Boom. Um, Boom. There David, you go. Free ad. Thank you very much, Max. <laughs> well, can, David, can you imagine that? With close to £200,000 worth of investment that the sector's given for, for what is it, £8 million, £10 million worth of um, impactful uh, results on the back of it? You can, just you can't you can't make that up. So, so gents, well done. Before we wrap up, David, what is your favourite fresh produce, please? Cauliflowers. We've got to be passionate about cauliflowers. Um, and how would you cook it, please? On, on the basis, of you, you've got to outdo our celebrity chef, Dan, Dan the man. How would you, how would you recommend we cook our cauliflower? Oh, what have you got? You've got from soups to stir fries to steaks to um, everything that you can think of. But um, I love my cauliflower cheese. <laughs> Excellent. And, and Dan, you went, um, you went uh, left field on us last time. What's your favourite fresh produce today? What did you do last time? I can't remember. Oh, you, you went off in a tray bait direction. It was, it was brilliant. Really? I've got to say, I'm, I am enjoying the glorious world of squashes. Apart from the fact that people have got pumpkins sitting in their houses right now that they shouldn't be putting in a bin, they should be putting into a soup. There are a lot of other amazing squashes. There's a new butternut coming out that you can grow in the UK, which I think is very exciting development. But there are so many other exotic and exciting different kinds of squashes you can find tucked in the corner of your, of your veg section that just carp an absolute treat if you bake them. And so I would uh, I would encourage people to go and explore the world of squashes. That's my uh, my November tip. Excellent. Well, well done. And just to wrap up, I know I think we've got the, the main fundamentals of the next broadcast with Veg Power set up, um, but my nutritious friend in London, she would like a beauty parade, uh, Dan, with, your, with yourself and Hugh, um, and for us to have a poll to see who's the most handsome man, and she's going to vote for you. Awesome. I love that. I'll make a point of telling yeah. you. Um, and, and don't worry, David and I are going to vote for you, aren't we, David? Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, think, I think both you and I have got to the point now. We're far too old to have too much to offer. <laughs> right. At, at that point, gentlemen, we'll end it. Uh, you've, you've both been um, excellent. Uh, hopefully this type of lobbying um, and everything that David is doing and everything that Dan is doing with his uh, amazing team at, uh, at VegPower, we're going to create that difference within government um, and within, within the retailers. Um, fingers crossed. Let's hope so. David, thank you. Dan, thank you. Look up to yourself and we'll see you the next time round. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye.